Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today I have with me Patrick Sutton, who is head of people at Main Street. Welcome, Patrick. Hi, how are you, Lindsay? I am great this morning. I hope you are as well. Tell us, you know, who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Sure. Well, I as you, as you mentioned, I'm the head of people at Main Street, um, where we provide sort of tax, tax credits. We are the tax credit company for startups and businesses, helping them find ways to save money. Um, as a head of people, it's everything, the end-to-end process from the moment you join Main Street or even before you join Main Street. I have uh, talent management, then there's the onboarding. Also, there's offboarding as well. There's learning and development, DEI, and just everything that's part of the employee experience. And I truly believe that I am a natural born people leader and I love people. So it just makes sense for me to be in this people space. Yeah, so I kind of want to talk about Main Street a little bit because it's so important for startups to be able to find funding breaks. You know, when you're you know starting something from scratch, it can be really challenging to get that money you need. Yeah, it can be. But then also, it, I think it's really our company is it's a few years old, like three years old, but we've had some really strong successes. And I think it attributes to one for the, the people that we are, um, there's a great culture at Main Street. And again, we are here to help businesses get tax credits. And if you are a startup, you want to find ways to get money and you want to have those savings so that you can continue to thrive, especially especially during these challenging times and even before the challenging times. It's just always good to have that reserve and that extra money. And so I, um, I really love the what what our founder really he's so passionate about wanting to help people and that transcends into his messaging to all of us which fuels into our philosophies of just the transparency of everything and it truly, truly makes it feel like a great place to work even though we're all remotely it's just it, it doesn't get any better than me. That's so awesome. So this is a little bit different than your past experience because you used to work in corporate America and now you're working in the tech and startup world. Oh my gosh. Yes, Lindsay. It's completely, completely different. So long story short, I think that's how people say it. So (laughs) I, for years, what was in what we consider quote unquote traditional corporate America. Mm. Anyone who's worked in corporate, you know, things usually take a lot longer to make decisions because there are a lot of decision makers. And there's usually like somewhat of a politic of it all because you have to convince this share, um, this stakeholder, this stakeholder, this stakeholder, this stakeholder. Then there's a long implementation. So Mm. I've done this for majority of my career. So it wasn't until the, um, great pandemic of 2020, where I was able to make this career pivot into tech. And oh my gosh, (laughs) tech moves at lightning speed. (laughs) Everything is, it's, but now I I get the connection. I see why, because it's tech and you all, you're, someone's always developing the next best thing. So you've got to be 
willing to move fast, there's it's constant pivoting that you have to do. You have to have a, it's true. You have to have a growth mindset. You have to um, go in with a, just let's throw up on the wall and let's just see if it's going to stick. And if it doesn't stick, we're going to try something else versus in a traditional corporate world, you don't really get a chance to do too many experiments because it's usually a four to five month plus long implementation. For so what was that moving from one culture to another like for you? It, to be honest, it took a little adjusting. Uh, for Of course, there were some nerves. I was excited. But then it sort of like it, it felt like freshman year. And I hate to compare this to freshman year in college. You're looking at your schedule. You're trying to find your class. Same thing here. Although I had all these years of experience, I was still trying to I, I was a freshman. It was like freshman year in the tech world. Even though I knew my job, knew what I needed to do, it wasn't, oh, well, Patrick, you have to check with this person and check with this person. Yeah. It's you are that person. Implement it, <laughs> do it. Let's just see where it goes. And I think after about, probably after a good month, I was like, okay, this is the jail of it. This is how you move. This is how you work. And it's like, it, it's truly like the TV show Amazing Race. You just got to mm -hmm. just have the adrenaline running and just move forward and just go. And I've been fortunate enough to kind of find my path in the tech because I'm now at my, this is my third tech company that I, I'm, I'm working at. And I learn gems from each place I've been. But one thing that's been consistent, tech moves fast mm -hmm. and you just got to really be ready and just be prepared. Expect the unexpected would be the, the best kind of advice I would give someone making that transition from traditional corporate to, to tech. Yeah. So you talked a little bit how there was a learning curve, but how did corporate preparation help you when, you know, we transitioned into tech? Yeah. So now the, the positives, which there are a lot of the, of the traditional corporate, I knew, I knew the ins and outs of things like having my, myself having almost 15 years of managing people experience. I kind of had some concepts. I kind of knew some things that were going to work. I knew how to kind of take some, like some of my coaching experiences and some of my learning and development experience and kind of build really fast programs and put out talking points that I knew that would help. The one thing that I will say in corporate or tech or whatever field, manager, management skills kind of transcends everywhere. So if you know how to talk to people, listen with empathy, be an empathetic leader, those are things that really inspire people. And one thing about tech too it's yes, sometimes there are a lot of people, because we move really fast, are put in positions of management and may have very limited management experience. Mm -hmm. That it's really it's 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 okay because again, the thing is because tech moves so fast, within six months, six months equates to like a year and a half in tech world. So yeah. if you if you follow the guidelines and the principles of being just an empathetic listener and having true one-on-ones and taking good notes, things that I kind of like put together some talking points and tips for managers as, as I was coming on board and setting up those office hours, which again, something too that you don't have in traditional corporate, but it was always something I wish we could have like official office hours for people to come by and found a way to really connect with those managers and give them like half hour coaching sessions. We would talk through any scenarios and also being a creative, I would take notes and send them like little creative scenarios, ways to empower yourself, ways to empower your group. And it's really paid off. 
Yeah. Could you elaborate on those notes? I, I really liked the sound of that. Sure. So one of the things that um, there's a book called The Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz. And one of the agreements is sort of it says be be one with your word, meaning if you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. And I always tell managers, if you say that you're going to do something for your team, you have to do it because that's building that trust. Trust is an essential thing that people need in delivering feedback and accepting feedback. If you trust me as your manager, you know that it's coming from a good place. So when we're having those conversations, I'm always like, what did you tell them? What's what's your word for today? What what is there is there a performance issue? Is there some is there a team issue? And we talk through that team issue. And I said, so did you tell them that you were going to resolve it? I said, so you have to be a person of your word and resolve it. You can't say, oh, well, things get so busy. I, I got pulled away. That team or that individual is really depending on you. And so make sure you're following up and follow up timely. Don't say, oh, well, I got to follow up on this issue. A week from now, I said, because again, your word really does become your bond, especially in high impact, hyper growth tech startups. So we start to call off with like, what's your motivation for today? And they say, my job, my motivation may be to do a good job or to show up as my best self. So during these little things that we have, I tell the managers, okay, showing up as your best self, what does that look like? Is that looking, is that, are you being present? Are you taking notes? Are you giving good eye contact while you're in the Zoom? Are you asking your employees how their week was, how their day was? How do they want to be great? It's all about being able to keep your team inspired, keep them motivated, and keep them connected to knowing what's happening in the business. And before you know it, Lindsay, they've already got their 15-minute empower check, empowerment check, and they're able to move forward. And what I do, and it's something that I started a few years ago, I will keep notes of the of what I've spoken to that manager about so that then a few days later, I can follow up and be like, how did it go? What did you do? So now I'm, I've am i become like that accountability partner to them, which I think part of being a head of HR and people is you have to let them know that you have their, um, you know, you have their back, you have their best interest at heart as well. Yeah. And I feel like at least from my personal experience, because I've been in in startup world, small business world, it's easy when you're in those growth wish list uh, type environments, like, you know, when you're moving so fast to think about your goals or opportunities or what you want to offer and talk to employees like you will offer them, if that makes sense. Um, you know, the amount of times I've been told I'd be get profit sharing bonuses and have it not come through to fruition is just so frustrating. So the fact that you have accountability in place is really, really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Accountability is key because if you're not, if no one holds you accountable, then it's sort of like, I can promise you the world. It's not like I, who's, who's going to hold me accountable for it. And I think that's really, really big. And it's important here at Main Street about accountability and transparency. I think that's two of our key strong um, values that we really try to practice daily. Yeah, so I want to turn back to uh, management because in startups, I know a lot of founders, they don't have management experience because they are going off an idea or, um, you know, are hiring people that are good for the skills that they need, but may not have that managerial experience. So in startups and fast paced environments, how do you really um, work to help coach and help people learn how to be better managers? 
it's through a lot of like constant communication. It is, it, it's w- one of the things that I truly love about my job and the work that I do, because I, I will always say this and people hopefully would, you know, double click on it, that I am a, a natural people leader is that when I'm talking to people, I'm fully engaged. Mm-hmm. You and I are having a conversation. I am totally present with you. I'm not distracted. I'm listening to you. Mm-hmm. When I'm talking to the CEOs or when I'm talking to other leaders who may have that limited experience, I'm like, let's just have a conversation. And mm-hmm. I'm listening to them. And then, of course, because I, I feel like um, active listening is a superpower, I try to paraphrase what you said. So what I'm hearing is this. So I think this is what we first need to look at. So this looks like to you, yes, I have a whole lot of people that I knew that could do the job, but I'm not sure if they're the right fit for managing people. So what does that look like? Let's unpack that a little bit more. So what you're saying is we need to get a people program or some kind of training up and running, even if it's 15 to 30 minutes where people are being able to go through some kind of program where we're giving them awareness of what's it like to manage people while keeping them committed to the business. And while I'm talking to that leader or that founder, what I do is I says, all right, so we put a plan in place for the people. Now, this is your accomplishment because we just worked it together. So even though... You know, like you said, that person, that founder went off an idea. They are strategizing on how they're going to make their people better. And that's what a great leader does is they think about how do I make these people better? And in doing so, you're now becoming better because we're having the conversation, giving you awareness and insight into how we're going to get people to success. And then that accountability factor, I come back with, all right, so we're going to meet in about two to three days. We've talked about the people. We've talked about you. We've talked about what the strategy is. We've talked about having to maybe make some adjustments because of this product or this engineering team said this. So when we follow up in a few days, this is what I need from you. So I'm building that expectation. It's a two-way street. I'm giving the accountability, but you're giving me the expectation. So that's how that works. Yeah. So Patrick, you said something really great. You said being an active listener is really important. So what does that look like virtually? And what does that look like in person? Well, virtually, I think it's it's super, super important virtually, especially now. I mean, re- remote work now is it is the new norm. So you could be you may be at home, you may be at a WeWork space, you may be at a coffee shop. But what you have to do is you have to really... You, your, your cell phone should be on silent. It should be turned off so that you're not distracted. And two, you really should have allowed a lot of the time for you to truly be present for the meeting. And for me, I always tell people it's kind of like when you're not saying like auditioning or on TV shows, but you have to make eye contact, look into the camera and also be aware of like your your face. You know, I always tell people Maybe practice in the mirror because sometimes your facial expressions can give things away. Like if you don't agree with something and you're like, remember, you're on camera. So (laughs) it shows. So I always just just listen and really lean in. It's okay to lean in when someone is saying something. If you don't lean all the way into where they're seeing like your eyeballs type of thing, but move (laughs) and make gestures, but totally be focused on the person that you're talking to in person. Well, when there was it, it's been so long. when there was in person right. meetings. I think too, very similar. You would find a conference room or in your office. Make sure that there are no distractions. Um, you know, when your office phone would ring, not to answer it or 
have your calls um, scheduled on mute or something like that. So it's, it's really about creating a space to where when you're in that meeting or when you're talking to a person or in a group of individuals, that that moment, whether it's a 15 minute, 30 minute, 45 minute or whatever, that moment is for all the people that's in the room right now. Nothing else should matter. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to leadership development in a fast-paced environment. Um, You know, it can be really difficult to pull leaders aside and get them to do, you know, hours-long training involved. So what are some little tiny things that are helpful for change and for growth that uh, you use in fast-paced environments? Absolutely. So again it's all everything is micro but it's impactful so mm-hmm. in, in especially in tech slack slack is mm-hmm. everywhere if you yeah. i don't know if traditional companies we didn't have it i think it was uh maybe it's microsoft teams or something like that but the past three tech companies I've been at, it's Slack, 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 Slack. So people are looking for, if you're going to give me something, pretty much in the era, Lindsay, of remember years ago when people were doing like short form content, like eight minute mm-hmm. episodes. And um, it was, I can't think of the show on Comedy Central, um, the two women, they had like a short eight minute show and it drew people in. So people want sh- something that they can consume pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I will, of course, pull a couple articles from Harvard Business Review or um, Gothner or any any type of research about leadership and people development. I will take a um, link of it and read it, put together a few bullet points that's important for them to look over and slack it out to them. It's fast and quick. And I, at the bottom of that message, I say, estimated time to read and review is four minutes. I will say Every now and then, it, maybe it's six or seven minutes, but I scale back a few minutes, but I know that it's going to draw their attention and they're going to read it and then we're going to talk about it. And I may throw in a question about, did you find this article helpful? Or I may also follow up in a few days by sending like an example of a case scenario, like what would you do in this particular situation and how applicable is this article or these tips that I've shared to you that it helps. And then when we have our one-on-ones, I'm using the articles that I've collected over the week and we're talking about one or two of them. So anytime we're having our one-on-ones, you're going to get some coaching and a session from what's been shared. But I always try to keep everything pretty quick, also straight to the point and pull out the most important points because people don't have People don't really have time for the the hour plus anymore. Even the training that we do for our employees now, those sessions are about 45 minutes to an hour. The first 20 minutes may be me facilitating. And then the the other 30 minutes are them actually actively participating, doing something to make sure that they're applying what's been facilitated. And then we wrap up. Like I don't believe in going over because time is very important. And then just Mm -hmm. sending follow-up um, additional tools and notes to to keep it fresh and to keep it consistently in their top of mind. Okay, so I'm obsessed with how you compile resources through articles um, and let everyone know the amount of time it takes them to go through it. Uh, and I notice a lot of publications and newsletters are doing that as well. And it it really really helps motivate people to go through. Like, oh, this isn't a lot of my time. I'm going to go through this and learn something. That's really cool. 
Oh, thank you. And it's also important to be transparent about it. Like, so at our all hands, I may say, hey, we have a great article that's come, that I'm going to be sending out. It'll take maybe five minutes of your day. And then I also, when I'm sending them out, there's like a little visuals, like golden stars, like the accomplishment of reading a five minute article, the fact that you were able to find five minutes into the day and do it. And throughout the day, if I have the time, I'll follow up and be like, how many of you have read the article? Make it in a competition. People love little games games and competitions to say who finished the article, who can tell me who the author was of the article or the title of the article, or give me one thing that they got from the article and put it in the Slack. Today's theme or last week's theme, it always has a sort of a fun competition. It's it's engaging, it's conversations, and they know that because it's me, there's going to be follow-up. I'm going to ask to see if you are reading it and following it. Because when you come to me to talk about an employee issue, I'm like, hey, do you remember that article I shared? Oh, well, while we're in this meeting, let me put it in this chat so you'll have it with you. And let me tell you why this is important type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. There, I mean, there's so many resources out there. Just having someone to pull the best ones is so nice. It's such a luxury. <laughs> and that's so cool. I, I can't get over it. It's so great. Um, you know, so in terms of you mentioned competitiveness, um, and I feel like tech is a naturally competitive environment. So do you, do you lean into that when you work in tech? Absolutely. It's all of it. Like you, you play into your strengths, you know, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a creative outside of work, but I feel like creative and leadership are like they marry each other. They're a perfect fit. So I like to use uh, I used YouTube videos. I'll use little snippets of Survivor or Amazing Race, and I'll use a, a leadership article and talk about which one of these leaders from this video demonstrated this. I do a quick uh, feedback training class using a, a 25 second clip from the show The Office where um, the employee is looking forward. One of the things she says is she says, I look forward to getting feedback. I love being judged. And then Steve Carell's character sees her and she's ready for the feedback. Call, and he runs into his office and says, Angela, you did great. Bam, slams the door in her face. And it's 25 seconds. But for those 25 seconds, you're engaged. You're like, oh my God. Then I'm like, what did you see? What, Even though this is a comedy, what did you see? What went wrong? And people are like, oh, well, she says she feels like she's being judged. That's how we sometimes feel when you someone says you're getting feedback. And it's all relatable. Like I find those small videos and plug them in too. And it really gets people going. And I will do the competition. How many leaders completed for the articles that I submitted? Who's watched these videos? If you did, put it in the Slack or just tag me right away and tell me. And I will tell you it, it's working because I post the results at the end of the week on who's who's leading the goal board. And people like to, people like to win. People like finishing in the top three. No one likes to be fifth or sixth or seventh place. People are always, and it, it creates such a strong engagement and the employees get in on it too, because I also provide some, some people development for them through videos and it really, I think it really works. So far, I've seen really high engagement from it. Yeah. And I love, you know, 
developing and growth, it doesn't have to be boring. And there's so much pop culture media out there that we can utilize that really is relatable, like that office clip. I mean, uh, when I teach class, I, I use TikTok videos. They're the same content that I could explain myself. But the fact that someone else is doing it in an entertaining multimedia way, it really adds, it steps up the lesson a little bit. Absolutely. And I think that too is part of what makes like the tech culture so, um, it's so innovative and so, um, it is, that's where the differences come because you get to kind of explore that kind of creative mode to where long gone are the days of having people in a classroom for training or if it's an all day training or something like that. And I think people love that kind of interactive, fun media type of thing. And it makes it relatable and it touches sort of all demographics because you know, there's a dif- demographics in tech, you know, the the Gen Zers. It's like, oh, okay, this is cool. Like you mentioned the TikTok video. Everyone mostly now knows TikTok or TikTok yeah. video and they yeah. see it and you're able to comply a, le- a real applicable learning experience to it. It's It's a double win, I feel. Yeah. So creativity has been a word that's popped up a lot. You mentioned that you're creative outside of work and inside of of your job as well. And I am a very creative person too. So I'd love to hear how you use your creativity. Um, You know, what are you involved in? What do you like to do? Well, so, well, I'm a screenwriter and a filmmaker. So that automatically lets you know, huge imagination here, storyteller. And I think that when you're, I don't want to say a brilliant storyteller, but when you're a really good storyteller, you think about, you think about everything. Like you vision Mm -hmm. from the moment someone walks into the room, what's the action, what's the movement. So I use that same philosophy when I'm, if I'm designing a learning experience or program, how do I want people to feel? How do I want people to walk away from? What do I want them to see? What is the mood? So it's literally like when I'm designing a people program, I literally have audience. I have um, what the what the action will be. I write it out almost in script form. And it's like, this is an experience. And I think about too, like when you're pitching something, like I've gone to pitch competitions and I'm thinking, how do I pitch this to this leader for their team? A pitch, usually you get like 60 seconds, maybe two minutes if the, you know, the movie producer or whomever is open to it and you you sell it, you make it work. And it's all about thinking of two of, of great catch catchphrase names or things that pop. I try to, I'm always reworking a, a title for something. Um, I used to lead a training called um, Oliver Pope and Associates. Oliver Pope was loosely based on Olivia Pope. The show was Scandals, and the people attending the session were called gladiators. Immediately, everyone wanted to be a gladiator, so they wanted to attend. So it's finding ways like that, the creativity side, to get people really interested and immersed into what you're, I don't want to say selling, but what you're pitching so that they'll have a, a better learning experience. Yeah. And you said something that is so true in storytelling and it's knowing your audience. And I feel like it is so important to know your audience and all other areas uh, of life too, especially in business. So I feel like storytellers, you know, I create content uh, for my career. um, So I'm considered a storyteller. We know who we're trying to attract or who we're trying to tell a story to. Um, So how has knowing your audience really helped you in the people world? Wow. Um, It has helped me a hundred percent because again, especially on the tech side, engineers, 
they process and think totally different than your operations, your marketing, yeah. your sales team. There's they, there's got to be some technical components that they want to know. Whereas sales and marketing, visuals, visual aids, or something a little bit more intense. So what I've learned to do too, your 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 tech people, your your engineers, you can never go wrong. And this is a tip that I'm sharing here. You can never go wrong if you use like a a Star Wars visual or like something really sci-fi high graphic, but also give them some metrics, give them some data. Because again, for them, it's a little bit factual. So you have to weave that into your your program when you're giving the expectations, let them know. Like I'll use some Gallup data, like with feedback, I use some actual specifics, percentages and a breakdown for them to totally get it and to buy into what researchers say. Because engineer it's it's factual they want to know how yeah. does this work and you know the, the sales other operation team general people team they're more for the experience so how do you combine the technical with the um the overall warmth of the program because I, I i didn't want to say soft skills because i i, I actually i'm sort of anti-soft skills because I, I feel yeah. like soft skills are actually hard skills some people find soft skills as something being very hard but i try to combine the two and i feel like by doing that people walk away when they, and I, I know i've seen it in the feedback surveys they're like you spoke to me in this i finally got to attend a training that wasn't just for maybe mm-hmm. general population, I felt seen. And I think that is important because sometimes the yeah. engineering product team c- sometimes can get left out and they're like, oh, why am I Why am I in this training? This has nothing to do with the work that I do. But now that they have gone through the experience, they see that thought went into developing the program and that they did per se have a seat at the table. Oh, that's so lovely. That's, I mean, it just, um, you know, speaks to the importance of being seen and heard in just anything. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Because again, if you don't, you'll lose that audience and you don't want people sort of like going to a bad movie. If the movie's bad, you're going to tell other people, don't go see this movie. So you want to make sure that the learning experience is worthy so that when they see the next one, they'll want to come back and they'll tell other people, oh, you should check out this class. That's amazing. Well, Patrick, this has been a great conversation. I know our audience is going to learn so much from you, be inspired, maybe spark their own creativity. Um, So before we wrap up, do you have anything else that you would like to add or offer to our audience? Uh, I would just offer to them, you know, if you, especially if you're a people leader or if you are leading a team or you have someone on your team that is over your people team, just always be open to the dialogue and allow creativity. It's so important to have that visual experience. It's also okay to experiment, which if, if you're, if most of the listeners are tech, they know what we're talking about. You're just yeah. going for it. But um, yeah, just enjoy the ride. And I think the end of the day is understand your why. Know your, like I know my why. I do what I do because I love people. I love to see people be successful. So when you know your why, it drives you to be really successful and productive. And again, listeners out there, know your why. It's so important. So if people want to reach out to you and connect, what's the best way to do so? You can totally find me on uh, LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is Patrick Sutton. 
And I have a really cool headshot. I'm holding a coffee mug and it says, I woke up like this. And um, you'll see how to people find me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up like this. I woke up like this, you know? So uh, yeah, Patrick Sutton on LinkedIn, at LinkedIn and head of people at Main Street, you'll see it. And I'm always open to connect and engage with others in talk shop because I love talking about people development. Amazing. Well, if you or anyone you know is like Patrick and uh, enjoys working with people and supporting them, reach out to me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening. Yeah.